it just was that pause that sort of that break during my reg routine work life where it was like oh no I'm gonna listen to that voice um, so if you have that voice listen don't wait as long as I did uh, you can start off you, know, you can always take the side hustle approach it doesn't have to be both feet in all at once there are so many ways we are living in a time where opportunity is everywhere no matter where you are, who you are, what your talent is, what your uh, interests are, the opportunity is there, and I would encourage you to do it. Welcome to the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast. Whether you are a seasoned professional or a first-time fundraiser, we have the advice you need to take your next step toward major gift mastery. I'm your host, Tom Dauber, President of Abundant Vision Philanthropic Consultant. Welcome to part two of our interview with Regina Alhassan, president of Research Pro, as she shares about her experiences working in the nonprofit world as a woman of color and reflects on how that prompted her to strike out on her own. Let's jump back into the conversation. You took a big leap from being an employee in a state job, I might add, uh, to being an entrepreneur. A lot of people aren't brave enough to do that. I know it, it took me a while to to, to, to be willing to go this direction. What prompted you to do that, Regina? What, yeah. what advice do you have for current nonprofit staff out there that, that might be considering a similar move? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, there was, I definitely wanted to take more control of my destiny hmm. uh, is really what it comes down to. Um, sometimes part of our share that part of my journey is that I just really got tired of working while black. Okay. Um, it just was a challenge being a person of color, a woman of color, a black woman in a predominantly white sector. Mm. That was challenging. Um, and so you, I, I got up to a point where, like, you know, I've reached the glass ceiling. Um, and so some of us may be familiar with this concept of the glass ceiling, but yeah. I felt like I had reached a concrete ceiling. Um, like no matter what, I just was not going to get paid more. I wasn't going to um, be put into a position of leadership, like mm -hmm. real leadership. <laughs> uh, and so all the classic scenarios that people of color face in our industry, I was facing those and decided that I could do better for myself. Uh, and so decided to take that leap of faith. Some of the other um, factors that were at play was that I had um, recently got married at like 40. I had another child at 41. <laughs> and so like right around 41, I went on maternity leave and had an mm. amazing maternity leave. And then coming back to the workplace, it just the, you know, the daily microaggressions and that daily experience just did not beat out. The experience of being, you know, of, of being connected to my purpose, um, the experience of like, you know, stay at home with the baby or go to work and deal with the microaggression. You know, it's like uh, the baby wins. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was definitely part of it. But that maternity maternity leave at that point in my life was enough of an interruption 
enough of a pause for me to decide I want a different direction for my life. Oh, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Tell if you don't mind, this is a little off script here, but could you talk a little bit more about your experience as a woman of color mm-hmm. in the advancement profession? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it's challenging. And so my reference point really is the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. which is a very homogenous institution historically. Mm-hmm. It's sure. a predominantly white institution. The donor base is homogenous. The alumni base is homogenous. Um, and so then there's the piece of just navigating your own identity within spaces where you're, you're the other. Yeah. Um, you're the other as far as gender, you're the other as far as race, you know, lots of different things. Um, so that is always a challenge. Um, and certainly there are times when, and so I want to say it's like this really, this, this really textbook scenario of I'm a high performer, I'm a top rated partner. Mm-hmm. There, there's the data to back that up. Um, when the university launched a new database, I was part of the training team and I was a top rated trainer, consistently being voted one of the best trainers, but I couldn't get a training position. Um, consistently voted by health sciences, one of the top fundraising partners, but I couldn't get into management. Uh, I had to train everyone that came into the department. That was my role to train all of the incoming people, but I couldn't be made a manager. Um, Hmm. Lots of different things, lots of (laughs) different scenarios. When When I would make the case for either advancement or pay raise, the response was always that it's not fair to everyone else mm-hmm. uh, and never about my own marriage. Just this isn't fair to others. It's like, well, what do others have to do with <laughs> my performance? Um, so a lot of typical scenarios that I faced as a woman of color, as a person of color in our industry, besides the the isolation. Um, but that's the... It's hard to say this, but in some ways, that's the world we live in. And that's the space Mm -hmm. that people of color navigate in the United States. But I personally reached a point where, and not even beyond the the university, this is really after I had left the university. um, In my last full-time role, I was up for um, being considered for the VP of philanthropy role. Mm. Uh, and I didn't get that role. And then the person who did get the role, uh, I felt like she it was she took it upon herself to make our relationship as com- as uncomfortable as possible. So um, so instead of being on the VP track, my role was was um, was decreased. My role was devalued. I was told during during that time and during that tenure by the board that you know prospect development work was dirty. Like a board member said that it's dirty, it's low value. 
They didn't want to receive prospects from me. Um, and then they, the fundraising committee of the board eventually told me after going to the meetings and presenting prospect names, they eventually told me that they don't want prospects at all. They're not a fundraising board. They're into building friendships. They only want to work with their friends. Mm. So I felt like given the, the size and the, the, um, the influence and the value of the, that particular institution, it just was like, is this about me? Is this about race? Do you, are you really saying you don't want donors because you have a $22 million goal? So I know you need donors. Um, but there are just always those things that it's like, is it me or is it race? Um, and so then eventually, just like, I don't want to deal with that anymore. So I'll just take myself out of the equation <laughs> and work with yeah. those that want to work with me. Sure. Well, good for you. I mean, it sounds like you've really gone from a place of of having other people uh, kind of control your destiny to to really being the captain of your own ship. Absolutely. That's part of my meditation. I am the captain of this ship. All right. All right. <laughs> Hi there, listeners. Tom Dauber here reminding you that spring is just around the corner. Many of your biggest donors will be returning home from their winter homes and settling in for a few months. This is the perfect time to begin the conversations that will lead to the next major gift for your organization. It is also the perfect time to brush up on all the skills you need to build rapport, develop relationships, and make a direct solicitation of your donor. I cover all of these topics and more in my online class, Abundant Vision Academy. Head over to thomas-dauber-s-school.teachable.com. The link is in the show description. Now, back to the episode. So, so there have been a lot of things there. What advice do you have for nonprofit staff considering a similar move? Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, I, I will always be a proponent of taking the leap at this point. You know, you take the leap, the universe will meet you. The universe will match your energy. Um, you know, I am living proof of that. But I think if you have that inkling, everyone doesn't have that inkling, first off. Everyone doesn't have this inner voice telling them, you could do something else. You could do this for yourself. And I had that voice my entire career. Hmm. It just was that pause, that sort of that break during my routine work life where it was like, oh, no, I'm going to listen to that voice. Um, so if you have that voice, listen, don't wait as long as I did. Uh, you can start off, you know, you could always take the side hustle approach. It doesn't have to be both feet in all at once. Mm. There are so many ways. And we are living in a time where opportunity is everywhere. Um, no matter where you are, who you are, what your talent is, what your uh, interests are, the opportunity is there and I would encourage you to do it. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll tell you, I did not consider going into business for myself until uh, really a contract was just dropped in my lap. And they were like, well, do you, would you do this for us? And then I had to ask myself, well, if I do this for you, I probably need to pull out of all these searches and, you know, but ultimately it came down to this question is, is where can I do more good? Yep. Can can I do more good helping a single organization I believe in, or or do I 
do I do more good by helping lots of organizations? Yes. I'll, I'll tell you, I had such an encouraging moment this morning. Um, uh, I have this coaching cohort uh, uh, that I, that I lead, and uh, one of the folks in it, I was having a one on one with her, uh, Laura Edie. Little shout out for Laura there. Uh, but Laura just became the executive director of the first uh, Parkinson's focused organization in in Nigeria in the entire country. And uh, she shared with me, there's only like five neurologists in that that country. And so they're, they're meeting a, a tremendous need. And, and I'm sitting there and from my time with Ohio Health, I did a lot of neuro work specifically around Parkinson's and, and, and I got to interact with a number of organizations kind of with similar goals here in the States. And um, it was just so um, reaffirming and encouraging you know, that, that I could be of help to her, uh, that, that she's doing this incredible work and, and she needs support. And I can be the person, uh, that can come alongside of her to help her do a better job and to, to have more resources. So, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm just finding it tremendously fulfilling. And again, how else could I have influence? How else could I make a difference in Nigeria uh, than by doing this sort of thing? Right. I love it. Yes, yes. And so we do with when you go out on your own and as a consultant, I find that I do have the opportunity to help so many more people Mm -hmm. than a handful of gift officers at one large institution. Uh, And that is something that I take a lot of pride in being able to like just drive around my city or hear commercials on the radio or, you know, to see something on TV. Like I had a part in that. I played a role in that. Uh, And even like my family can get in on the excitement. And so I'll share an example. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so again, someone from OSU, former OSU colleague, Jody Bopp, who is now at, yes, hey, Jody, uh, who is now at I Am Boundless, uh, which is a statewide organization here in Ohio. And so they have a, they were a, a client of mine for a few years and They have commercials on PBS is what I'm getting to. Most especially they have commercials on PBS kids. Mm -hmm. And so my youngest daughter, who's eight now, but at the time was maybe like six or seven, uh, maybe about five or six. She would see the boundless commercials on TV. Boundless! Mom's client! You know, and get really (laughs) excited or we would see the vans, you know, driving around and get really excited. Right. Um, same for the the YMCA who I've worked with. And so being able to make those connections for my daughter as well is also rewarding, you know, and for her to explain, like, what do I do? What's yeah. mom's work? What's mom's job? Um, I don't just sit in, in at the computer all day. Um but explaining to her, like, what is mom's job and breaking it down for a child to understand that, you know, mom helps the people who helps the people that help the people. And so like, no, that is really, really exciting and empowering for me just to know that I've touched all these great causes, you know, and it's just, it's just so rewarding. And the introvert in me doesn't need the recognition, just, just the paycheck, just the, just the, (laughs) just the, that's it. Just the compensation. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, yes. you know, so that's that's a great segue. Yeah. Um, 
tell us about Research Pro. What, yeah. what services are you providing? How, how do you how do you do fees? Yeah. What types of clients are you looking to serve? Yeah. So Research Pro is a prospect development consulting firm. Uh, and that means I work with nonprofit leaders to help them find qualified prospects for their multi-million dollar fundraising campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I offer a variety of services that are, are all centered around prospect identification, donor wealth analysis, donor or prospect wealth analysis, uh, data analysis, and building out uh, development operations for your fundraising team. Okay. Oftentimes we do get into engagement strategy. So if I give you a list of names, the next natural question is, what do I do with this list of names? Um, So we get into engagement, but then beyond that, we get into the operations. So what are you doing logistically with that list of names? How are you managing that data? How are you automating that data, et cetera? Um, So it's pretty comprehensive. And uh, we, I am a fundraising partner, so I support frontline gift officers by providing them qualified leads. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and do you have bandwidth for more clients right now? Like if one of my listeners was thinking, boy, I could really use some help here. Uh, does Re- do, Regina, do you have room for that or are you, you booked full? Absolutely. There's always bandwidth. Uh, There's always bandwidth for conversations. Uh, And so we have Research Pro offers a variety of curated packages. So our signature partnerships, some are focused on those uh, individuals that are building out brand new fundraising teams. Um, There's one that's focused more on building out a grateful patient, grateful client Mm -hmm. uh, fundraising campaign. I have a two-day intensive, which is my VIP by Research Pro experience. Uh, and then also I have not just done for you work, but I also do training. So mm-hmm. I offer a five-week accelerator to teach fundraising teams how to do their own prospecting. Yeah. So you can do this long after I'm gone. Um, and so there's always bandwidth to talk. Uh, you can reach out to me on theresearchpro.com. Mm-hmm. There are also resources there. Um, So if you're sort of new and just figuring out what your fundraising strategy is and what your prospect development strategy is, I have videos, I have guides available as well. So I encourage you to go to my website, again, theresearchpro.com, and you'll find those paid and free resources available to you. Well, speaking of free tips and and tricks there, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of nonprofits out there that are struggling to find donors uh, and may not feel that they have the budget to, to bring you in as a consultant. Yeah. Do you have any tips or tricks that you could share with those folks as to where to start in prospect identification and qualification? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, so first, I'll put my CEO hat on. Uh, right. you can go to my website, theresearchpro.com and purchase my uh, latest webinar, Prospects from Scratch. Mm-hmm. So that's there um, available for purchase. So that will be one place to start because I, in that video, it's about 90 minutes, 75 minutes maybe. And it's all about a deep dive into where to start when you don't have budget uh, and you don't have a list. 
Uh, so that's the first place I would instruct you to do, like check yeah. out that video, Prospects from Scratch. Uh, and then along with that, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but really digging into your current list, your current universe. Um, some organizations don't even have a list yet. So it's just mm. more about taking a look at who's in your universe already. That could be members, volunteers, donors, social media fans, uh, other community advocates, who's already in your universe and figuring out what is their giving capacity. Is there a, I don't know, kind of a, uh, a, a bright flag that you frequently see when reviewing a client's data mm-hmm. that, you know, staff often miss internally? Yes, it's the lower level giving. Um, those donors of like $200 a year, or that $500. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of that lower level that's just, they don't quite make the major giving cut with their lifetime giving totals. Uh, and so they never make a list for analysis and they just never bubble up to the top for prospect engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really those lower level donors and I encourage people to just take a look at those people, pull a list and create some sort of engagement opportunity, some sort of special call to action just for that mid-level group to see what they will do if they'll bump up or not. Um, If they don't bump up, you don't lose anything because they're still supporting you. Uh, But if they do bump up, there's the advantage. That's what we are looking for. Uh, And some of them will. Everyone will not, but absolutely some will. No, that's that's great, great advice. You know, I think back, there was a, uh, oh, I think it was like a $200, $300, might have been even $600 gift that came in, uh, an organization I was at. And it came in in cash. Um, this, this person had given a cash gift to a, like a staff person right, where they were getting some, some care at. And, and of course it, that was not the way the money was supposed to flow in the organization, but it got to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was really interesting because in this particular situation, you know, we had some old donor walls that were defunct and a lot of that data hadn't gotten into, you know, the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I had to do some research cause I, I saw this money and I was able to find out from the staff person where where the money came from. And it just so happened I'd done that research, uh, you know, digging through that old defunct donor wall and I recognized the name and I was able to put two and two together. And this, this lady had been part of the highest tier of giving on that old donor wall, but none of her data had made it into our, our current database. Mm Um, and, um, and so I just I just called them to say thank you to let them know we got their money and um, the husband picked up the phone and and um, he had recently made a seven figure uh, gift at another institution and uh, and it, it the conversation just went well and he told me you know it's it's about time we make our next big gift uh, and it needs to be to your organization and uh, so uh, you know but it all just started with that. You know, six hundred dollar cash gift coming in all weird, wrinkly, 
hundred dollar bill, you know, <laughs> it was, it was a sight to behold. Yes. Um, but uh, you just never know what you're going to find with yeah. some of those quote unquote lower level donors. Right. Yeah. And it's, you, you bring up a few interesting points. I find organizations that just aren't doing any type of data analysis ever. They're hmm. never pausing and being reflective on the, what's going on in their database. Or so maybe another way to look at that is because not everyone thinks about data. So another way to think about that is just being having the pause and reflecting on what your donors are doing. Yeah. It's, uh was working with. So right now I'm on faculty for a development fundraising um, education program for the Human Services Chamber of Franklin County. All right. And yes, it's an amazing uh, cohort. And I've enjoyed teaching in that um, in that course. But one of the things that has come out for some of the for some of the participants is the fact that they're not doing any type of data analysis. So the example I'm thinking of is an individual gift officer that shared that they're getting donors. They have donors that give five thousand dollars at once. They do that once a year. They write a five thousand dollar check. And for me as a prospect development professional, I get excited by that because I'm like, oh, that's a $25,000 prospect all day, every day. Even yeah. more, it's a $50,000 prospect. They're already doing the twenty-five, dollars So that's a $50,000 prospect at minimum. Yes. And because they're giving $5,000 without being asked, without being engaged, they're just doing it. That lets me know they're really probably more like $100,000 prospect. Somebody needs to talk to them. And so it's just that moment of, okay, gift officer, pause and look at what's going on with your donors. And oftentimes organizations will bring me in and say, we need new donors, find new people for us. And then it's like, okay, but let's go back, right back to your universe. Mm -hmm. Who's already doing something? And what are they doing? Let's look at them. Is Have you exhausted your opportunities to grow the relationships you already have? And most of the time, organizations have not. That's that's a great observation. That kills me to hear, you know, as a, as a fundraising consultant, the notion that somebody could be out there writing a $5,000 check to your organization just automatically and nobody's gone to hang out with them. Exactly. Nobody's asking them to give more. Uh, but but you're right. I, I'm seeing those sorts of things too. You know, right. I've got clients I'm working with. Uh, you know, some of them are part of the human services uh, sort of thing. And and I'm I'm sure as as we look um, into that data, we're going to find similar sorts of people. But you know, that's that's the value of, of a consultant. I think is it brings a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah. Uh, that that lets you do more with what you already have. I mean, I, I know some people skeptically say that, you know, consultants are people that, that, that look at your watch and tell you what time it is. Well, that, that might be true, but, but you weren't looking at your watch and you didn't know what time it was. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I get that. I get that. I really do. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, I focus on my lane and I, I enjoy working with, 
those teams that believe in the power of philanthropy. So kind of back to the story of the tale of two fundraisers. You Mm -hmm. know, do you believe, (laughs) do you believe that people are generous? Do you believe in the science of fundraising? Do you believe in the expertise that a 24 year professional brings to the table? Yeah. You know, and so like for both of us, we're not new. We didn't start last year. We're not guessing like this is based on 20 plus years of practical experience. Yeah. You know, of theoretical learning and as combined with practical experience, you know, and so it really does come down to for me anyway. Do you believe in philanthropy? Do you believe in yourself as a relationship manager and your ability to cultivate and advance a relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are those are really important um, points. As always, things I'm your I host, Tom Dauber. As a thank you for joining me as we journey together toward major gift mastery on the Abundant Vision fundraising that, podcast. No matter what I do. No matter what names I offer you, no matter what strategy I offer you, you're not going to see the value of prospect development. That's all the time we have for this week's episode. I hope you'll join us next week for our third and final interview segment with Regina Ohasa. And please, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe and give it a five-star rating on your podcast provider. It only takes a few seconds, but has massive impact on helping make this show more visible to those who could most benefit from our content.